Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 40K Fireside Podcast. I'm David Gaylor, and I'm joined by my good friend, Vic Vijay. Together, we discuss 40K in the meta from our perspective, along with events we've recently been to and those that have got coming up. So come on down to the fireside and listen. All right, everyone, we're back. Episode 39, and uh, before I forget it, because I'm terrible at this, um, hit that like, subscribe uh, comment for the algorithm god and uh you know comment and stuff like that because uh, i literally forget that every time <laughs> but uh yeah uh, very excited to have uh you listening this evening we've got uh, a great friend of ours a great friend of mine as well um boris michev hot off the press from winning best overall from one of the world champs boris welcome to the show how you doing hi guys thanks for having me on again it's great to be here yeah uh boris took csm uh to the one world champs and came fourth overall i believe boris that's right. Yeah. And then uh, they combine that with your placing and uh, painting score uh, to win to, to formulate a, a best overall champion, which is a combination of the two. Uh, and I think you would probably would have won best sporting if they put it up there as well, because uh, <laughs> oh, you're, too kind. you're too kind, Dave, you're too kind. <laughs> best overall means that Boris is officially the best painter and player in the world, I would say. So yes, congratulations, Boris. Okay, I'm, I'm already blushing and we're like one minute. Into <laughs> and you by know, the way, I, the best yeah. overall was stacked as well. Like, mm-hmm. uh, spoiler alert, I played Andrew Gonyo, who was, uh, I think, when X and 2 or maybe X and 3. And uh, his army was drop-dead gorgeous. Uh, there were so many armies that were crazy good painted. Like, insane painted. Display boards, everything. Uh, people that have been, obviously, maining that army for years. So the painting uh, echelon was extremely high. And I don't know where you placed on the uh, painting score, but let's get into that in a moment because I'm already jumping over here. I'm really excited about to talk about this. Uh, Boris, you did a podcast with Nick Nanavati on the Art of War, and that covered kind of your run, what you took. Uh, so I kind of wanted to talk about something a little bit different. I wanted to chat about maybe what your thoughts were going into the event, uh perceptions of the event ahead of time and then what it was like to be there um it'd be cool if we could cover obviously our runs and stuff like that um and then in addition to that maybe some feedback and then you know would it be worth going for next time and um yeah the overall gist of it and maybe the meta and stuff like that as well yeah that, i think i think that's a really good um i think that's a really good direction to go and right off the bat this was the best warhammer forty thousand event i've ever been to and i think it's not even close. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sort of all encompassing. I think the organization was amazing. The judges, the TOs, the staff, the venue, um, the rounds, the approach to timekeeping, just the overall attitude. Uh, but then on top of that, you combine that with this incredibly unique and never before seen, the 200 best players minus Vic <laughs> um, <laughs> in the world. Oh, they're in attendance. Um, incredible sportsmanship, camaraderie, hanging out until the little hours of the night, and the entire sort of top echelon of the of the competitive community in one hotel for four or five days. Uh, and the combination of those two things, I think, made this just a very, very, very special event. I think it's it's one of a kind, and it will remain on the calendar for years to come as a one of a kind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, Vic, I wanted to maybe get you in here. You did win a golden ticket at LGT, of course, but uh, um, you decided not to go or couldn't go. Um, what was your impressions of what the event would be like? Because I know that you're a little bit skeptical of US events. You know, we had that LVO where we 
for lack of better words, um, had a pretty bad experience last year. Uh, and then um, Warhammer Champs, I feel like we probably had diverging um, uh, reflections on in terms of what we thought of it. Um, I kind of thought that was a really fun event. Um, I know you didn't do as well at that event, but kind of what were your thoughts about what the event would be like and what potentially could be like going wrong if you know you did fly all that way to, to go and play? I mean, I have a few hesitations about the, the GW format in terms of terrain and kind of, um, you know, some, some bits of it are a little bit different to other tournaments we do. And I think that's, that's the reason why I was a little bit cautious with it. I was like, I have no idea what this tournament's going to be like. Let's let these guys go for it and I'll see how it is. And what's actually happened is, I think you guys have been to an event of the quality and caliber of WTC, the kind yeah. of event where you go to and you come back and you're like, I am so much of a better player because I've been at this event and been mm -hmm. around the people and competed with them. So, you know, I, I think, uh, well, I'm really interested to hear a deeper thought on your experiences because you guys have flown a long way. You must be shattered. And now only we're really properly talking about it. I really want to know if you guys think it's an event that you want to kind of keep going to and, uh, you know, that, that it was a good experience overall. Yeah, I think uh, one thing that um, it's, it's, it's kind of funny because Boris, you went to the event, but you haven't been to WTC. Vic, you didn't go to the event, but you have been to WTC. <laughs> so uh, I've been to both. And I think one of the uh, essences, and I think this got said quite a lot, is that um, it was like an August in November. Uh, if you know what I mean. Uh, so, yeah. it, it, you know, when Boris, you said, you know, it's a summit of the 200 best players in the world. That is very much the WTC as well. Like that vibe, I wouldn't say it quite replicated the WTC in the sense of the, you know, just the, it's difficult because WTC always a team event. So there's so much more camaraderie, I think. Uh, but in addition to that, you know, it's in Mechelen. Uh, everyone is going to bar popular. Uh, everyone um, is chatting between rounds. It's, there's so much effort going to WTC. So I think if I had to say, I didn't enjoy it as much as WTC, but that is an extremely high bar. Uh, that's, that is so far beyond me not going to the, me going, I'm not going to go to the event. It, it was an insane event. Probably the second best event I've ever played in my life. WTC, uh, probably first as well. But let's, let's backtrack it from there. Uh, Atlanta, it's like a seven hour flight. Um, how did you get there, Boris? Obviously, you flew. Did you everything all good there? Did you? Yeah, I was in the, the same. Before? I was in the same flight with uh, our teammate Brian Seep and and also Nassim, and we all hung out at the airport, had a couple of beverages, and we're kind of talking about the event, our expectation, and you know, everyone was sort of saying it going into the event. It was like, oh, this event is insane. Everyone's looking at their pods, and each pod had like multiple world class players, and everyone was like, we need to change our expectations because this is not like, what I kept saying was, if you go to a 200 person event in the UK or elsewhere, right? Mm -hmm. And you look at who is there, you can count on one hand, the number of people that are, one of those is gonna win the event. And sometimes it's like two or three, right? Yeah. You go to a UK to see even like a 400 person super major in the UK, you're like, yeah, Manny, Dave, Vic, maybe Finnis is coming like, that's who's gonna win this event, right? Whereas you go there and it was literally, I am not even exaggerating, 50 people probably if not more had a realistic shot at winning the event yeah definitely. right yeah um th yeah that was how stacked it was uh, it was absolutely brutal uh boris what did you think of the kind of pod stages because i guess we all had the information that was like the primary piece of information we had right like we submitted our list and then the pods came out and that was the first time you could start analyzing like okay maybe this is what i need to think about or this is what i need to 
you know, research my uh, opponent's pods on the list. Like when your pod got revealed, were you kind of like happy? Were you like, okay, this looks like a very tough pod? I, I think it's probably fair to say that there was some imbalances in the strength of some pods. And I think that was probably maybe a bit of feedback that they'll probably get is that some of the pods were a little bit tougher than others. But what were your thoughts when you when you first saw your pod? So when I first saw my pod, I had Nick Nanavati, TJ Lanigan, three or four of the team, Austria team, Germany, WTC players. So my pod was uh, perceived as one of the softer pods mm -hmm. when the stat check um, sort of uh, pictures were being circulated around. Yeah. But I mean, like only one of these 25 will win it. And, you know, the, the players that were there, they're still kind of world-class players, right? So um, there was no, by the, the whole definition of it, there was no soft pod. Um, and in fact, one interesting thing is, I think based on these like ELO rankings, I think they're called the stat check one. Yeah. I think only one person uh, who was ranked one in the pod by this actually won their pod. Mm. So this goes to show you like a lot of these European players, right? They were even unranked or like ELO 5000 or whatever it is that no one's heard of. <laughs> they ended up winning the pod because guess what? They're amazing players. They yep. just don't play in events that register. And yep. so um, I was actually pretty happy with my pod. And I had a call with Nick uh, before the tournament. And we kind of went through the lists. I think the combination of player and lists that were in my pod, I thought I have a shot, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. it's going to be tough, but I, I, I have a shot. Which is a which is a better position than a lot of people were, yes. <laughs> were in, frankly, right? I think a lot of people looked at their pod and were like, "Well, um, <laughs> let's focus on the second half of the tournament." If you look at the the widely considered pod of death, or one of the there was two or three, I think yours was one of them, but pod eight is what everyone said, which is where our teammate Liam was, Liam Hackett from Australia, Quinton uh, Johnson from Art of War, mm -hmm. a few others. You know, Valentin Schefter from Germany won that pot, and I think he's like ELO 5000. He was like number exactly. 17 on the list or something, and he won the pot of death yep. as being super low rank. But guess what? He's like a WTC caliber, you know, one of the best Necron players in the world, and he won that pot. Yeah. Right? No, definitely, yeah. Uh, pot of 8 was kind of crazy as well. Uh, he, won, uh, he won his pot with Necrons, actually, which is, I think... Oh man, there's so much to cover. Uh, I think Necrons were a good pick for the event, actually, in hindsight. Um, but uh, yeah, let's uh, let's let's whittle back. I was, um, I think, one other piece of feedback that they'll probably get. Uh, well, I know that they'll get is that the tournament format uh, for what, having one player get out of the pod and then play single, then play double elimination was probably a little bit worse than if they had gone two people from the pod and then single elimination mm -hmm. because that was um, exactly my feedback. Yeah. Because I think, like, um, if you look at myself, for example, uh, I looked at my pod. Uh, my pod was um, insanely hard. Obviously, in my pod was Manny Chima, who ended up winning, spoiler alert, won the whole event. Uh, but of, other than that, we had Manny Chima, um, uh, Anthony Vanella, Andrew Gonyo, Thomas Woback, who's the WTC Austria player who's um, uh, insanely good, uh, won the WTC War Masters. Uh, and then we had um, Brian Daltrey, Mike Pestilens, uh, and then um, Jaime Paris, uh, and basically, like, I would say there's probably 10 people that could have made it out of my pod. Uh, but the problem is that my list could never actually end up beating Manny Chima's list, I don't think. Which is where, if you're playing in a pod format, uh, if you just have a list that can't beat one list in your pod, it basically means that you're shut out from ever um, 
getting out of your pod probably or you're hoping that they run into a terrible matchup so that you can escape your pod uh which is a little bit bad if you like your pods get revealed like a week and a half beforehand and then you're like well you know i've got no shot getting out of here so um i feel like if and you probably agree as well if it was top two it'd probably mean that there's a bit more up for grabs in that sense yeah absolutely and the other thing is uh, i think there's two more consequences of that is when only one gets out of the pod but you have 200 players of which as we said, 50, 60, 70. Can, as a spectator and as a participant, you want to see more of these top-class players actually have a chance to compete for the number one spot, mm -hmm. right? Uh, obviously, everyone that went into the other bracket could still compete for best overall, but a lot of the top players that were there really wanted to go for that best general. Best general. The other thing is the double elimination in the top eight, even triple elimination, it's not great from a spectator point of view. John Lennon ended up playing Manny and myself five times. Yeah. Okay. Who wants to see that, right? <laughs> John doesn't want it. The, the, you know, the spectators don't want, no one wants to see that. That's not interesting, right? Yeah. Oh, can he get him on the third time of or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Instead, if we had a top six, like a stack top 16 single elimination, I think that would be really, really, so really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, Vic, what were your thoughts on the tournament format kind of as a whole? Well, uh, I mean, I don't really have much say in it. I think it was, it's more interesting hearing you guys discuss that. But I think, you know, in terms of preparation and things, that actually is probably a very interesting topic for both of you guys to cover because, you know, being part of a team like Ignite probably has a very large influence on the way that you prepare for a tournament of this kind of style. Um, and both of you probably have a, have a lot to say about that because you were kind of very closely involved with each other during the process. Yeah. Um, what I would like to do is before we before I forget, uh, because I don't want to bring this up like 40 minutes from now, I just want to go set the scene for the listener about what it was kind of like to play there, kind of what the atmosphere was like. Uh, so I was fortunate enough to get um, paid flights and hotel for the, and I believe Boris, you were the same, uh, for yep. Hyatt Regency. Uh, what I would say is that my room was probably five times as nice as it ever needed to be. Uh, so uh, it actually felt like the first time I'd ever played Warhammer where I was like, man, I'm actually like, <laughs> um, this is kind of actually getting a bit serious. <laughs> I got to pay for my hotel and everything. Uh, so, I mean, that was brilliant. But um, uh, basically what, what it looked like, guys, is uh, the Hyatt Hotel is a big tower hotel. And then you would go down an escalator, a couple of escalators, and you would go to their, one of their big conference rooms. Uh, and that's where the main hall was. And that encompassed Age of Sigma, Kill Team. Uh, in addition to that, it also had, obviously, the Warhammer 40k. But not only that, but it had the sickest, the dopest uh, grand narrative event, which uh, I had the pleasure of Lim, uh, one of the judges uh, from WTC, of course, as well, uh, show me around the grand narrative event. And the grand narrative event was like insanely cool. I I'm not going to lie. Like uh, part of me really wishes that they had huge grand narrative events in the UK because it looked really awesome. You just had people, tons of people dressing up in cosplay. They had different planet systems that were had different uh, environments in it and different rooms. And they, um, they had a live screen that showed the update of the grand narrative and, um, and then how each like the Imperium faction was doing on this planet and, you know, reinforcements. And then they had a warlord, which was kind of like a judge and like a dungeon master of that planet that would uh, facilitate and then hand out random like objectives to people to do mid game and stuff like that. And it was really cool. Uh, I thought the grand narrative event was, um, really special and looked like everyone was having a blast 
Uh, Boris, did you get a chance to check out the grand narrative? Uh, I mean, yeah, just like peeking into the hall and and seeing all the participants in their you know in their costumes. I mean, it looked insane. If if this if if, uh, if the World Championships wasn't as amazing as it was, I'd be tempted to go for the <laughs> for the grand yeah. narrative myself. Yeah, uh, it looked awesome. And then in terms of the hall, uh, look, I really want to give a big shout out to uh, Mike Brandt and the team uh, from all the staff, uh, the streamers, um, the casters, everyone. It really felt like Games Workshop were trying to put their absolute best foot forward on a polished event and they just knock it out of the park uh, first time around. Because to be honest with you, the event-wise was pretty much run from my perspective flawlessly. Uh, there was I, no I agree. Wrong. Yeah. Um, Boris, you had to play till 2 a.m. one morning, which I think was probably like not the greatest. You had to play Servo Skulls as well, which I think <laughs> realistically speaking, they probably could have just played a really you know, take and hold chilling rain. And if two people have to play that twice, like who really cares, you know, like <laughs> Servo Skulls was pretty much a meme and there was about 30, 40 people watching the game at two in the morning memeing about Servo Skulls. <laughs> By the way, including Mike Brandt and the entire judging staff and everyone else, they were still there until 2 a.m. And, and the, not only did the event run flawlessly as far as organizational timekeeping, etc., but it felt like every member of staff, whether it was a judge, the head TO, head of organized play of Games Workshop, everyone treated you with so much respect. Like, this is the World Championships. You are the best competitors of 40K in the world. You've earned the right to be here. We'll respect you and we'll uh, be kind and we'll you know, cater to your needs, like their attitude towards timekeeping. Um, conflict resolution everything was just so professional uh, and I, you know maybe sometimes the bar set low in 40k events of what we expect with the venue or judging staff or whatever the case might be i just think this was for me just like a different level of professionalism you could see like the force of a multi-billion dollar public company which is games workshop was put behind that to say mm -hmm. like first ever world champs we're gonna knock it out of the park and and, and they did they like yeah. in every way yeah and i'm so happy that they teamed up with the wtc uh as well because i think what you're experiencing there boris is the it's really the rubbing off of wtc and a lot of those judges in the room were were the wtc judges like matthew Lim and stuff like that uh tom adry as well and those guys you know you can tell that they're so passionate about the game and passionate about judging as well that they you know they rule in uh, such a way and they interact with players in such a way that's like friendly and competitive and professional all at the same time um and it doesn't matter if something doesn't even go your way on a judge call maybe uh you know they make it such that um you know that's you know how it is and um yeah just really well handled overall Alrighty, maybe we should cover off um kind of expectations that's a good one mm -hmm. what, what were your what were your expectations kind of going into it boris you know it's funny because all of us are <laughs> You know, all of us are very, and I mean all of us, I mean pretty much all 200 players are competitive 40k players that are used to winning, yeah. right? Either winning events or coming or podiuming or, and we all kept telling each other, right? Oh, but we got to change our expectations for this event because it's so stacked. But we know deep down, all of us still kind of thought and wanted, like, we want to win still, right? Mm -hmm. So it created this conflict right because i think at the end of day one we were all having dinner together and having drinks and we we're counting the number of world-class players that are already lost and it was insane yeah it was like something like 20 super multiple super major winners 
had already lost in their first game or their second game. Mm -hmm. So my expectations going in were I was trying very hard to um, kind of rein my expectations in uh, out of respect for the uh, for the field. Um, I was still kind of hopeful that maybe I can get out of my pod if I get a couple of good pairings and some things go my way and some people knock each other. I felt like that's possible, but that was kind of like an outside upside. Maybe I get there. Mm. Um, and I really, obviously, I went there to try and compete for best overall. But when I saw, and we can talk about the, the army painting, but when I saw the quality of the armies and the players that were <laughs> piloting, I was like, okay, you got to, yeah, this is this is going to be very hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, we can dive into that. Were there any armies that really stuck out at you? I know I saw uh, a couple of armies. Uh, Manuel, who I played um, at the end of round uh, eight from Germany, uh, was who's had a beautifully painted army. Uh, Gonyo, like I said, had a great army. And then there was a Space Marine army that had uh, the blue Space Marine army that had all the freehand drawings on the front of like the Vindicators and stuff too, which was like obviously insane as well. <laughs> it, it was. I will tell you for a World Championship where you know the vast majority of players are like you know gt major winners from across the world the quality of the armies in the showcase was insane mm -hmm. you know i earlier in the year we talked about this you know when when um i won best overall warhammer fest um walking around the showcase there and walking around the showcase here was the difference between like a best painted at a gt and like an actual golden demon painting competition the the, the quality of the armies was insane mm. um when i was playing nick uh round two when the uh painting judge came around to, to our table and said like your army's been selected to the showcase and i like i started jumping and celebrating because i was so happy yeah. i think they selected do you remember like maybe like 15 or yeah something armies right that we and then me and you together walked around in the evening to go and see them and i was like my army is almost definitively the worst looking army <laughs> out of this bunch. And like being objective. So I was like, I got to win some games <laughs> if I want to have a chance, right? Yeah, I think if you're, if there was like 15 people, your army probably, like fairness to everyone else, your army is probably in the bottom third, right? But Correct. Like, don't, Correct. like the listener, by the way, like Boris's armies are painted very, 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 very well. And Boris is an, like, an exceptionally painted, uh, exceptionally good painter. So that just goes to show you the, the, the quality. Uh, there was so a guy to from... Give you a uh, basically what they did is uh, they went around all uh, 100 tables and they gave everyone a score, uh, which I think 30 was like, it's passable. You're not going to get points mm -hmm. deducted. 50 was like, okay, this looks nice. And if you got a 70, okay, you go to the showcase. Mm -hmm. And out of 200 armies, like 15 got 15 to 20 maybe got put on the showcase. And then three separate judges went afterwards to each one and spent like a solid... 20 30 minutes at each army with a detailed painting sort of rubric and they rated each army and you could go plus and minus 15 from your 70 so the highest you can get is 85 and the lowest you can get is all the way down to 55. so my army scored 73. Mm. so that means that the three judges combined only gave me three extra points over and above just qualifying from the showcase i think gonyo's army uh which is this incredible tau army got like 78 and his wow. army was insane so that just tells you like yeah. how hard it was to get these um extra points we had a funny thing me and him like every round we'll go to each other's table and be like have you lost yet <laughs> <laughs> and we're like quote unquote cheering for each other to lose uh yeah. but the reality is you know there were 15 people competing for best overall yeah. and i knew like some of these armies 
are so much better painted than mine, then it probably mathematically means I need an extra win to mm -hmm. overcompensate that, you know? Yeah. 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 And uh, there was a gorgeous Eldar army as well. I forget. Um, I think there was some of the French player who actually got in the top eight. Um, his army was uh, his army was stellar as well. The guy playing the uh, Wraith Guard. Five Wraith Guard in the... Uh... Oh, Ludovic. Yeah. Yeah. So good. I've actually been a little bit inspired, uh, Boris. I'm actually uh, low-key going to uh, start doing some basing tonight. I'm, uh, I've got a few projects that I'm going to be working on now. and uh, that, yeah. That's how you know it's been a successful event where you come back and you feel inspired to do something, right? That's yeah. great. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I guess uh, my expectations were, um, yeah, I, I th never really believed I could make it out of my pod, if I was being honest. I needed a lot to go right. I needed uh, either Vanilla or Gonyo to beat Manny. And then I need or like Thomas Woback or something to beat Manny. Uh, and then, I mean, Manny and I obviously just played and played and played like every single event. So I was just obviously in the back of my mind, I was like, well, obviously I'm going to play Manny, <laughs> um, which actually for the first event and I think pff, maybe even like 10 events that we've both been to, I didn't end up playing in, which was nice. Uh, but that was kind of my expectations going in. I was like, happy, you know, four and one, maybe if Manny gets an unlucky run versus the opponent that could actually beat him, then, uh. I could maybe squeak it out if, if he goes four and one, basically. Um, so that was my expectations going into it. And then, yeah, I just kind of try and take one game at a time. I played Coventry the weekend before, and then the team event that Boris and I won together the weekend before that. So I had quite a bit of practice, but um, yeah, I ended up going five and three, which, uh, you know, I think overall it's, uh, it's, it's hard not to be disappointed, right? Um, because... You know, like I think, like Boris said, is that a lot of us are used to winning, and uh, this is a bit of a reality check on top of that as well. I think if I look back on maybe like six months from now, um, you know how I did, and uh, I think, yeah, I'd probably be like okay, happy with it. Uh, I'm, I kind of the games that I lost, I felt like I maybe could have won, but um, yeah, I think uh, overall, probably seven out of ten happy. Uh, Six and a half out of ten heavy, maybe. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, Dave, right? If you look at your most of your wins and most of your losses, right? And the same applies to me and applies to almost everyone there. Hmm. The margins of victory in this event were so incredibly slim on either side, mm -hmm. right? Um, <clears throat> I mean, in the hours and days since, I'm sure you are and I'm going through my head through all my games, both the ones I won and the ones I lost. And think about little small things that if it only had gone slightly different, mm. the game would have been... I mean, I think the combined losses... I think our teammate Brian lost three or four games for a combined uh, victory point differential of like six or seven yeah. <laughs> across the three or four losses that he had. I mean, that's how fine the margins were in this tournament, right? So if you look at the record itself, it's very hard to... Usually you can extrapolate a you know win-loss record and say like, did you do well at an event or not? But given the field here and the margins of victory and loss being so small, the record is a little bit, and we always hang on to the record, oh, I lost three games, right? Or whatever it mm. is, that's terrible. But it's so different in this event. And I think hopefully next year we'll go into this event with a better uh, mental preparation and a better attitude, right? Yep. We're not going to approach this event as any normal, like, oh, it's a Coventry Super Major, seven round, you know, and I'll mm. try and win kind of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think next year my goal will just be to do better than I did the previous year, I think. Uh, because 
every single game I played, uh, every single game I played felt like a super major finals game. And I agree. Every, I agree. Every single game. And when you put it in perspective of if you played eight super major finals games and you win five out of eight, you're probably pretty happy. Realistically, hey, you've just won five super majors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Only three. Um, yeah, but uh, and yeah, and so my games were, um, yeah, often within uh, two points, uh, four points, you know, needing to get not even lucky for the draw, you know, positions like that. So, um, yeah, I think you're right. When you look back on it, you, it's easy to look from the um, from the outside perspective and think, well, X and three. But reality is, there's a lot of context around those um, around those uh, games in and of themselves, right? Yeah, I mean, you had um, you had legitimate world class players. What I mean by world class players, top ten in the world players, mm -hmm. which is an extremely high bar, losing you know three, four games, right? And mm -hmm. and you know trying to win, not just like you know take one thing that by the way on that topic, one thing that really kind of pleasantly surprised me is that on days three and four for those that weren't in the top eight i thought you know what this format is pretty great for those going in the top eight or those competing for best overall but i just wonder like people that are not in the top eight are they going to take those uh last three games seriously and oh my gosh like the level of the level of competition uh in those in those games that would normally be the quote-unquote the losers bracket was insane everyone you spoke to was like this is the hardest rtt or gt that i've ever played in my entire yeah. life yeah and the spoiler alert because i will get onto it maybe after i check through my run a bit the four and one bracket was uh bonkers um and no one in the four and one bracket was familiar with losing and no one in that bracket likes to lose so <laughs> i would go as far to say that the four and one bracket was harder than the top eight because the quality of the players was almost identical if not identical but yeah. there was more of them <laughs> yeah right yeah it was uh it was crazy uh okay before we go to that um boris i think your run was covered in uh in the art award did you guys chat through every single round you guys yeah had? we chatted through every game so we don't have to repeat that let's okay. go through your run yeah yeah so i brought um i brought aldari which i thought at the time was probably the best um army for me to play uh, i took a pretty well-rounded list um and i got to play at two tournaments beforehand so i felt like i was pretty well prepped but the terrain i wasn't you know the terrain is the terrain right like you can build a list for the terrain or you can sort of just have a great list and hope that the, when you show up the terrain is pretty good for your list uh the terrain was uh overall like pretty solid for my list it wasn't as good as the uktc terrain feels for eldari but um you know it, it wasn't like a massive uh, net difference uh so Round one, uh, I'm in uh, against a guy called um, John Sweet, who uh, won a GT uh, playing Aldari. So straight up, I got the mirror matchup. And I think this is probably a pretty common piece of feedback for this one, is that the Dawn of War layouts for Games Workshop terrain are awful. Uh, they are shockingly badly um, developed. The terrain makes almost zero sense for that terrain layout. It's very easy to get shooting angles uh, and there's basically no deployment zone coverage, especially if you get the really bad Dawn of War layout. Did you kind of find the same thing for your one? Yeah, basically the, when we when we turned up there the night before and we're walking around the tables, we we're all like, these tables have already been set up. They're all different layouts, but everyone's playing Dawn of War. Mm. So we looked at it in some of the layouts. 
it was like, oh, that's pretty good. I can hide a rhino here. I can put a spinner here. Mm -hmm. And then other ones, he was like, but the terrain looks like backwards. I, it's yeah. going the other way. I can't hide anything, right? Yeah, it's kind of like, well, if my opponent moved eight inches from their deployment zone, they could shoot into my deployment zone. It's like, well, exactly, yeah. <laughs> that's not great. Uh, so yeah, as will be common for this episode, I play against the mirror matchup and I go second. Uh, and then my opponent jams their whole army at me. And uh, yeah, I try and win. <laughs> yeah, so I play against John Sweet. Uh, lovely chap. Um, Eldari's got the, uh, you know, 10 Wraith Garby's got Incarn plus Avatar. So, um, uh, yeah, um, interesting game. I'm pretty practiced in the mirror, so I'm feeling comfortable with that one. But once again, it would, would it be nice to just go first with my three spinners and lock his army down? I think, Dave, one interesting thing to comment here is what Vic was kind of asking us before is, you know, the team preparation. I think um, for Yoko, yourself, and me, because we were an Eldar, Eldar, CSM, and then obviously Liam on Death Guard and Brian on, on T-Suns, but for Eldar and CSM, I think our team in those matchups, Eldar Mirror, CSM Mirror, Eldar versus CSM, which we thought are kind of the top two factions going into this event, which mm -hmm. actually turned out to be true. Yeah. We as a team were so well practiced into these uh, different permutations, right? The two mirrors and then the Eldar CSM matchup that in my games against Eldar, of which I played, I think, two, and my mirrors into CSM, of which I think I played three, <laughs> uh, I just felt like I knew almost every time better than my opponent how this is going to go and yep. how I should play it, right? And 100% of that came from... Um, the amount of games that were played amongst our teammates and then feedback fed back. It's like in the elder CSM mirror, you should do this, right? Yeah. Uh, or in the elder mirror going second, you should do this. So it's a common theme for you. And it was a common theme for me that in these mirrors and the elder CSM, I think we felt really well prepared. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You feel like even if um, there is a favorable turn that you have such depth of knowledge of the matchup that you can navigate it despite it um, maybe not going away. Mm -hmm. um all right round two and this is a common theme world eaters fantastic uh now world eaters i think is a good matchup for Eldar. however if you go second it's it can really put you under pressure now what i would say about this event is that because they weren't using clocks uh world eaters kind of suffered a little bit because they're they're as nick uh explained to me um they kind of they face up everything's you know there's no tricks they face up everything, you know, they, they can auto advance six, they get plus two to move, uh, advance and charge, you know, you move your 23 from their deployment zone or, you know, out of the Rhino, I don't know, it's like what, nine, 15, 17 inches from the Rhino and stuff like that. So they're kind of an army that if you've got enough time, you can spend making great turns uh, or counter punching them on, on the early turns. And uh, and that's kind of how these, these games went for me. I played against a lovely guy called Mike Pestilens who uh, has a, a blog as well, who was actually really, really good. Uh, well, I guess everyone there was really good. Uh, and then I'm going second, so not great. I think deployment-wise, if you get a bad deployment going second against World Eaters, then or a bad mission, then you're definitely not favored. You're favored on every deployment and mission if you go first against them. But I managed to eke out a win there, a 15-point win. But the game was actually really close. It could have been a three or four-point win, but it was one of those games where it was singles. Mike knew that he had to go for a bigger risk that if it didn't pay off, uh, would have been a bigger point detriment. But if it did pay off, it would have been a chance for him to win the game. So as is kind of often with those singles event games. So yeah, go second in that game. Fantastic. Uh, by fantastic, I mean not really that great. <laughs> and then uh, the round that really stung me was I played against uh, Brian Daughtry, who is um, 
Joffrey, I think that's how I pronounce his name. Uh, a really good player on uh, World Eaters again. Uh, and yep, going second again. I don't think I could roll it over a one or two for my go first. <laughs> go second out. Not a great position. Uh, I ended up losing this game by two points. I made a mistake where I teleported Mangan Khan uh, on turn one too aggressively, and then his Master of Executions jumped out of Rhino and killed it. Despite that, uh, almost managed to win that one. To get a draw, I just needed to kill a Rhino on four wounds on an objective, uh, and my Night Spinner could shoot directly at it with the indirect, and I had four Warp Spiders as well. So <sighs> mathematically, getting pretty unlikely not to kill the Rhino there for the draw, uh, and that one kind of stung a little bit. But second three out of three games. And then uh, I got rewarded for my... Um, rewarded for my loss you know as soon you know when you take a loss in a tournament boris you're like okay i'm in the x1 bracket you know it's going to be a little bit of a cruisier one right oh no not not at this event no no of course i get paired up into anthony vanilla who who's three and oh uh playing world eaters of course a <laughs> uh, bit of a better mission for me at least but uh lo and behold of course second again uh anthony and i had an absolutely lovely game um he uh, played really well, made just one little tiny mistake, but a really technical game. Um, obviously, Anthony is a world-class player, especially on World Eaters as well, coming off the back of the Kelly Cup uh, win there as well. So he is the current World Eater, I think, as we all know. So yeah, I managed to pip that one by a nine-pointer, but the, once again, that was kind of a game where Anthony had to go for a little bit of a risky play as well towards the end there. Uh, I got I finally got a little bit of a nice dice roll there where I actually shot 10 Wraith Guard into 6-8 bound and uh, cleaned them cleaned them uh, fully on that 10 Wraith Guard. So that was uh, that was the first bit of sail in my wind, uh, wind in my sail, I think. But yeah, at that rate, um, played th three World Eaters in a row and gone second every game. So it's not the uh, not the start I'm after, but I'm 4-1 uh, currently there. 3-1 uh, currently. And then my run gets a but lot easier. But you surely get rewarded in your in your next game, right? Yeah, I mean, they, they get a lot easier after that. Uh, yeah, they get a lot yeah. easier. Uh, Andrew Gonyo for the <laughs> for the fifth game of the pod. Um, now, Andrew's an absolutely fantastic guy. You know, I think the cool thing about the tournament, Boris, I don't know how you feel about this, but it was nice to play eight new people that you'd never played before. Yeah, and not just eight new people, but eight, like, incredible players, right? Yeah. So it's not just, it's not like you go to a, well, let's go to a GT in Arizona and just play eight random people that we don't know, but it's just yeah. kind of whatever. Like you played eight new people and they were like, oh, these are amazing players. Yeah. And and maybe four out of eight of them you've probably chatted to online or you've known for a exactly. couple of years. Well. You yeah. just haven't hit, right? Yeah. yeah so yeah. um, got the chance to play Andrew Gonyo and I knew this guy was a legend. Uh, and I was like, great. Uh, he had a really cool list with like 40 breaches, um, five devilfish and 20 pathfinders. As we talked about before, Gorgeous army, um, an absolutely fantastic opponent. Probably my favorite game of the entire event, maybe. Uh, it's really close because I played another fantastic opponent. I played all fantastic opponents. Uh, but um, you know, you know what's interesting? Why you ended up playing him is because the round before, and they were on the table next to him. He played Manny. Gonyo uh, played yeah. Manny, and Manny was very worried about Gonyo's list because mm -hmm. the volume of shots that he had into his accursed bricks. Mm -hmm. So they played the mission where the objectives disappear and Manny does the most Manny thing in the world where he <laughs> literally deploys his entire army in one corner of the board 
looks at Goni and says, that's going to be the objective that stays. <laughs> and sure enough, they roll for it. That's the objective that stays. And Manny wins. And that's why Gonio's first loss put him down into uh, and paired him into you for round five. Yeah, which to be fair, if Gonio had beat Manny, I would have played Manny. So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, that's, that's the kind of event we're talking about, right? Yeah, exactly, right. Um, yeah, so I played Gonio, a super technical one. This is another one where the clock um, was, and having no clock was, just to be honest with you, just really good for me because Aldar, you can never really lose to Tao. Uh, if you play it tight, you can lock your opponent out of the game. And um, I ended up taking quite a bit of time on turns like um, two and three. And I actually apologize to Andrew um, when it came to turn three. I said, look, Andrew, I know I've taken a lot more time than you um, and we're not playing on clocks. So I'm, I'm going to try and speed up as fast as possible. But the only reason I'm doing that is because I know if I don't make a mistake, like it's going to be very hard for you to win the game um like it doesn't matter if whatever kind of dice rolls happen or anything like that if i just play and lock you out then you're not going to be able to um you're not going to be able to win and he was like mate you're 100 right um it's all good and um absolutely lovely guy to play against very technical uh, i wish him all the best for um uh, his team usa uh, application as well uh, an extremely talented player you can just tell that uh by the by the way that these guys think and um talk about the game you know, irrespective of whether they lost, you know, we chatted about the game for like 10 minutes afterwards. And, uh, you know, for about 30 minutes of the game, I just sat there looking at his gorgeous painted tower. So, um, yeah, lovely. So, uh, yeah, exit the pod, uh, five and one, uh, four and one. So overall pretty, uh, pretty happy about that. But, uh, the run for me gets even harder. Uh, I play against, uh, Itu, um, Peltola, uh, who is the captain of team Finland amazing and just before that i think uh, us going to dinner that night i think one thing that struck me about your attitude um about the following days what i touched on earlier was as i said i kind of fear that people would take it more of a social kind of thing after mm. day one if they didn't make it out of the pot but you yeah. were like no i'm laser focused it's the world championship i'm still playing for ninth place yeah. it would be incredible if i can finish ninth in the world right yeah. and that kind of struck me and and then the next day and the following day, I actually saw that this was by far the pervasive attitude of everyone playing in the four and one, three and two brackets. Yeah. Um, everyone trying to win and compete and, you know, and respect the, the competition in the tournament rather than just go and get drunk and say, yeah. well, I've lost, uh, I've taken my first loss. I can't win the event. Like normally you might see people in a, in a, in a regular event, right? Yep. Yeah. And that's what I told lots of people. Actually. I said, look, look, mate nine only four percent of people are playing the top eight that means 96 percent of people go and play a new tournament where ninth place is effectively winning the tournament right which is crazy right um and let's maybe maybe this would be a good time to chat about uh the kind of effects of the first person out of the pod because what kind of ends up happening is that the person who's x and one exits the pod right sure but every pod has about three like three people in the pod who probably could win the entire tournament as well and Correct. what ends up happening is those three people evidently basically go X and one. So the, the X and one bracket after the top eight um, gets secured is basically the top three people from each pod who are three people that could win the entire event. <laughs> so you're basically playing one, uh, an, an RTT where every single person <laughs> could win the world, <laughs> could win the world champs. Yeah. Um, like the pod is crazy. It was like, you know, um, Jack Hardster, John Lennon, um, Richard Seeger, Liam Vissell, uh, myself, Yoko, Quinton, um, Manuel, like E2, like, I mean, I just rattled off 10 names, uh, like right off the top of my thing without even looking at it. Like, 
the X1 bracket was absolutely stacked. It was it was crazy, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh uh by the way, I've gone sick in every single game so far. Just uh, put that out there. Uh, <laughs> um uh yeah, round six against Itu Paltola, uh the captain of Team Finland, basically the best player in Finland. Uh yeah, not the person you really want to be hitting in this one. Um Aldari Mirror. I go second again, which is obviously not great, especially he's got an avatar of Kane, which if you go second with the avatar of Kane, it basically gets locked out of the game. Uh, so, and he's got um, uh, two, a Farsia and a Warlock in the mirror, which is really bad in the mirror. And so if, if, if I went first, it was almost lights up, but I ended up doing a really stupid thing. I was like, I'm going to shoot my Rangers and snipe your spirits here with your Wraith Guard. And then, of course, his Wraith Guard shoot and uh, I lose all the momentum in the game. He also made three natural 11-inch charges, uh, which, yeah, if there was, if I was going to lose that game, I was definitely losing after that. Um, brutal game. That was my biggest loss, that one. But uh, I felt really depressed after that game, actually. Not going to lie. Like, that was a game where I played the Aldari Mirror, which I'm super practiced in. Uh, you know, I'm now X and 2, so ninth place is out of the knocking. And, um, yeah, I was feeling pretty down at that point. Um, but I had a really good chat with uh, Nick, a uh, lovely guy who I met um, at one World Champs Bank T-Suns. Uh, and yeah, we just, it just um, came up and said, hey, you know, I love the podcast. And we're just chatting about it and uh, just chatting about tons of stuff, man, about life. And and um, yeah, he really helped pick me up. And I said, look, you know, I'm X and 2, but I'm going to try my absolute best to win my next two games. Um, and he said, you know, it's uh, it's acceptable to fall down, but it's not acceptable not to get back up. So that was kind of um, my mentality going into it. Right. Now, uh, if I didn't just play the best player in Finland, well, I get to play probably the best GSC player in the world. Uh, yeah. Round seven, fantastic. Alex McDougall. Yeah, lovely. Uh, probably not a great matchup for Aldari. And um, Aldari is... It's an interesting one because basically everyone in the room has lots of practice against Aldari, which is, you know, not a great position to be in if you're trying to um, get a good run in a tournament. But not only that, but uh, I basically have zero games into Gene Steeler Colt, and it's Alex McDougall playing it, who is, uh, like, I played him two years ago at LVO. Is it two years ago? Two years ago at LVO Top 8, where he beat me. And he was playing the exact same thing. The guy literally just plays Tyranids and GSC. So, um, yeah, it was a rematch, actually, which I was really happy to get, though, because, uh, you know, someone knocks me out of a you know big tournament. I'm like, I tell, always tell him, like, look, man, I'm going to get you next time. And, uh, yeah, super lovely, man. Alex is just, like a super lovely guy. You know, I told him, like, hey, look, Alex, I haven't really played the, I haven't played the matchup much. And if you just run me through, like, some of the common things and, you know, I'll be like, hey, what's the math on this? He'd, be, he'd, he'd just tell me straight up, right? Um, and that's the type of uh, guy he is. So, uh, really close game, ended up winning by eight points, but could have been so many things that could have changed that game. Was a, it was one of those games, Boris, you know, we just get the craziest rolls like consistently. It's just like, oh, I, I rolled massively high on that, or he rolled massively low on that, and then I rolled massively low on that. You know, it's like it wasn't one of those games where everything could just go nice and neatly. It was like, no, like you shoot your whole brick and then deal one damage to my incarn, or you know, I overwatch your squad, or I, I shoot my warp spiders and I roll eight shots. You know, it's like, it's like, well, okay. Yeah, I think one thing that stood out to me that game was um, <clears throat> obviously two world-class players both kind of lost two games, but still trying really hard, trying to win. But at one point, I came to your table, and I was like, Dave, is the game close? He said, very close. I need to grab you for 10 minutes, because I'm about to play Valentin on Necrons, and yeah. I don't have any idea what Necrons do. <laughs> and you're both like, okay, let's take 10 minutes <laughs> of our game, and you sit down with me and like run through the list and say, don't do, don't shoot this, don't go this, take this, and then like 10 minutes. That was just the spirit. To me, that was like the spirit of the tournament, right, where 
everyone is trying to win, everyone's competing, but like it was so, I don't know, like the camaraderie, the sort of the respect, um, you know, yeah. just when would you like, imagine you're like uh, playing another top player in like Leicester Final Four and someone comes and says, hey, take 10 minutes off your game to come <laughs> run me through a list. Like this would just never happen, right? Yeah, it would, it would never happen. And and that's obviously the type of guy Alex is as well. He'll just be like, dude, go help your teammate, man. Like, of course. Uh, yeah, that was, that was that was really great. Was that the point where I was taking the photo of like the middle of the board? <laughs> yeah, you were taking the photo. You were like, and your game was like on a knife's edge. Knife's so, like, edge, yeah. Like I was interrupting like a blowout. Yeah. There was a foregone conclusion. He was like, you guys fighting for your lives because you've both just lost two games and trying yeah. to like, you know, come back and you're like, yeah, this I'll is... take 10 minutes. Let's look at this Necron list. <laughs> this was literally when I had a photo at my cell phone over the middle of the board taking a photo of my position of my Wraith guard because I told Alex, like, look, I don't want a Phantasm and then lose my position where they were and then go back and forth and then whatever, right? Like, take a photograph of it. And he had wrapped my uh, Wraith guard with two demo squads and it was like, well, where are your demolition guys? Like, here, here, and now six inches. Can you see over this? And I was like, okay, well, I have to work out this super intricate puzzle where I Phantasm away to reduce the amount of damage. And then once you shoot one unit, I pull the other guys. And it was like the most intense uh, turn of probably like maybe the whole tournament for me. And it was Alex is just like, yeah, of course, man. Like, go help your teammate. Like, cool okay uh and then we're back at it um yeah lovely guy so yeah uh alex mcdougall round seven i actually went second this game of course uh, which was the first game first time going second was good so despite going second eight out of eight games it was it was beneficial once um so not going to complain on that one it was good and then yeah it just gets getting easier and easier for me man um yeah manuel from team germany uh, who's like a five-time wtc germany veteran uh, an absolute machine of a player as well. I've never played him before, but uh, yeah, um, an insanely good player. Uh, ended up going sick in this game, which was really heartbreaking because uh, because of his list, he really had to deploy tons of stuff on the line. If I go first, it's just a blowout. I crank my Wraith Guard into him, kill like four tanks on turn one, and it's basically game over. But yeah, we played to another two-point game where um, I could have won if some things had gone my way. And uh, yeah, they just didn't end up going my way. So yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how I look at it. Boris is like I went five and three, but on the whole, I feel like um, Tom Adrian actually came to my rounds. He came to my table round four when I got paired up into Anthony. Round four, five, six, seven, eight. Every single time he came to my table, he said, "David, I can't believe the players that you're hitting. Like your run is just the dumbest run. Like I'm gonna buy." He said to me at one point, "He's like, I'm gonna buy you like a 15 kilogram trophy just for like the run that you've had to have." Because he understood, like, oh, he's going second again. Like, this is bad. And then, then I was like, yeah, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I no. think your your run was outrageous, right? N yeah. Not just in the quality of the players, but the types of matchups and going second. But I'll challenge you one thing: mm -hmm. go and look at some of the other top players there that went four and one in their pod, mm -hmm. and what their run was. Because I think a lot of it was. Yes, your run was insane, but also the tournament was such that if you went four and one in the pod, right? Mm. And every pod means that you you won in the pod, so you won other you played against other people who won in the pod, and the way the pods were, the pods were stacked. So in your pod, going four and one, you would have beaten one, two, three really good players, mm. right? And lost to a really good player, and then you go into the Shark Tank, which was the four and one pod, and then by definition, all three games there would have been incredibly hard. Yeah. So. It would be an interesting thing to plot out maybe one of some of our teammates and, and their runs and just be like, oh, well, yeah, you just, you know, everyone who went four and one in the pot had an insane run. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, maybe if you're a listener and you were there, maybe uh, 
give us drop us a knock of what your th- of the three players you played uh on the si- on the third and fourth day uh because yeah you're right and it was basically like a, a three rounder against what the best 20 players in the world almost right <laughs> and it was kind of like well okay you know you went one and two against the best 20 players in the world on any given day uh you know mission go first go second army matchup dependent right which is you know i think like not it's on the obviously that's on the bottom end of the spectrum in terms of performance but like it's not like that spectrum's pretty close right like one and two two and one two point games whatever like that you know something goes your way then maybe it's uh maybe it's different right and the difference we mentioned this before about the record right where normally we judge it by the record but this is but the reason why it's even more amplified here is because when you get that small loss right two point loss against anthony vanilla whatever normally in a normal event your next pair you're allowed to kind of claw back yourself up once mm. you've taken one l and you end up usually at most you're taking one loss that's where you expect it to mm-hmm. but as we saw through your run and the runs of many other you get a terrible heartbreaking two-point loss on the last thing and then bam here's a super major <laughs> winner <laughs> yeah you know? yeah you basically and lose like... and then you lose and then there's a good chance you play an even harder round basically <laughs> exactly which which normally doesn't happen right yeah. sometimes it can happen like you play lgt or something like that it's a big enough event and sometimes two losers that are both very good matchup against each other mm-hmm. right but normally that doesn't happen yeah yeah here which... it happens every round if yeah. you're in the four home bracket it's crazy like if you look at the people that went like two and three in their pod uh you know and it's like these players are literally some of the best players in their respective countries and you're like okay like yeah. you know yeah ennis wilson for example uh who's who i think is probably one of maybe the second best player in the uk uh like i think he went um two and three or something like that maybe in his pod maybe a two two one uh yeah i i, I don't know off the top of my head but obviously ennis is an insanely good player and when you see people like that or um you know some of your friends that you know are also insanely gifted um or you know put a ton of hard work and you know going x and three x and two you're like okay you know um that just goes to show the caliber of the event which you know which i think is the which is just the overarching theme of the event really isn't it? it's like the caliber of yeah. the event is just like every single game you play is the hardest game of your life probably correct when i was playing round two i was playing against nick and we played like a four and a half hour game so we had i don't know like 30 40 people at our table hanging mm. out at the end, yep. it was really good vibe, and people are coming and saying like, "Ines lost, Nassim yeah. lost, Liam lost." It's like the number of people that were just like, and you're like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, now I understand how this is gonna go." Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's uh, it's really crazy. So it's um, yeah, that was uh, that was my run. I think uh, I think looking back at it, I think I probably sh- it's difficult. Maybe I shouldn't have played Aldari, only because a lot of people were very very prepared for it. And actually, it's the type of army that you you need to make almost zero mistakes. If you make zero mistakes, which is practically impossible to do in such a tight event, you know, like if you go play like a big super major in the UK, like you can make some mistakes here and there against a player that is where the skill gift difference is really big. Uh, but if you're playing basically a finals equivalent game every single game, to, to play an army like Aldari and not make a single mistake in any of those games is... Not really feasible when I look back on I don't think. But with the benefit of hindsight, and we we never have the benefit of hindsight, but mm. because you're on a podcast, what would you have taken? I think the best army was probably... Oh, I mean, it's easy to obviously say the best army was CSM uh, going into it. But um, you know what? Oh, man. I think Necrons were a good choice for me personally. 
you know, I had a lot of reps on uh, on Necrons, and a lot of players don't have a lot of reps against Necrons. So I actually think in the in the environment like Worm of World Champs, I think it's actually quite good to have an army that's maybe a bit binary that people don't have a lot of practice into. So, for example, see, see, I don't agree with that. Really, I really, I really don't agree with that because I just if I think my answer to the question I asked you was you should have taken Eldar with the benefit of hindsight because I think to world champs you need to take an army that is going to be has the highest ceiling possible hmm. and also a very high degree of um, predictability in your performance. Right, I agree with you that. You need to play very, very good, right? But you need to play very, very good no matter what you bring because it's the world champs, right? So, like, even if you bring CSM and you don't play flawlessly, you're not going to win those games against the top players, right? Yeah. So you might as well bring an army that, if executed to perfection, you're going to win. Because the yeah, other thing true. is, the other thing is also, like, let's not forget, like, you got unlucky. I got a bit lucky. Like, in a tournament like that, the best you can do is bring a top army that you're super practiced with that can win any matchup, right? That can be played to perfection and then hope that some things go your way, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and I guess you're right. Like if I played Necrons and went five and three, I'd probably would have been like, well, maybe I should have played other. <laughs> yeah. And with the benefit of hindsight, I think Necrons is almost an auto loss for CSM, for Necrons into CSM. Like yeah. I went into that game with very little knowledge of the matchup. With the benefit of hindsight, that's a very difficult game. And you would have hit some CSM players and be like, well, I'm a dummy. I brought an army that's pretty soft into the top army in the game. Like, what am I doing? Right? Yeah, it's true. Or maybe World Eaters or something like that, which I played. If I looked at the run that I had, I would have played World Eaters three times, which would have been probably, th you know, three games of three hour slugfests <laughs> reanimating my yeah. warriors. <laughs> so, yeah, I think you're probably right, actually. Yeah. Would you have done? Would you have done anything different prep-wise? You know what? Honestly, next year, next year, I might play guard or equivalent of, and then go for best overall, best painted as well. Mm. Genuinely, because I I think that like it's that is such a cool uh, achievement to have as well. Um, I'll I'll tell you though. Um, obviously, you saw the quality of the armies, mm -hmm. right? Which means that if you Take the effort, and you can definitely do it because I've seen your best painted stuff. You can have an army that gets selected for the showcase. I believe in that. But then you have to like <laughs> you have to go like seven and one, right? Yeah. And that's when it becomes really, really hard because this event, like the top players, a lot of the top players have amazing armies, and um, yeah, I don't know. I think we were pretty well prepared as a team, right, going into it. Like, we'd done a lot of the matchups. But next year, my first thing, like, the day after, I was like, oh, next year, I want us to be, like, even 10 times more prepared yeah. for this event. Yeah. Oh, man, it's so tough, isn't it? I think, yeah. And there's definitely big improvements we could make as a team. I think, you know, like, playing more real life on the terrain it would have been, it was obviously the most important. Um, and play the missions, through, right? right? We were all yeah. commenting. Like, I was playing at 2.30 in the morning on a weird-ass mission that I'd never played before, and I was like, this is inexcusable, right? Like, yeah. I can't be pl – I'm playing for top three in the world, and I'm playing on a mission like John <laughs> had to, like, <laughs> take me aside and explain to me how the scoring works. And you guys had to take me aside and be like, this is how you do it in movie. And I was like, guys, it's 1 in the morning. What is going on? Like, yeah. it was inexcusable – to not of and, and by the way, that wasn't just for service goals. Like we hadn't played some of these other missions, right? Yeah. Layouts, yeah. combinations, and that, in my mind, we can easily fix. Yeah, I would like to see them maybe standardize or release the mission pack a little bit beforehand, perhaps, 
so that players could they familiarize did. themselves. You know, uh, they said all the missions in the Leviathan tournament pack are in play. And in my preparation for the event, I was playing them in order. Yeah. But I think I got to like three quarters of the way and I skipped servo schools and some <laughs> of the weirder ones on my, you know, playthrough. Yeah. I think that was one of my favorite moments of the of the event as well. Uh, there's a couple that's really stand out to me, but when you get paired into John on server skulls, and then like we're like take your side, we're like no, okay, like here's the strategy. Like if you go first, like you do this intricate thing with the objectives, and then like you kick it backwards, and then like you double kick it, and then <laughs> and then uh, we were playing our games, we were finishing our games when you were starting, and then. Um, and then, like, I remember going to the table. I was like, oh, did he go first? He's like, yes, he went first. And I was like, oh, is he doing the strategy? Yes, he's doing the strategy. <laughs> By the way, that that to me is the most unbelievable thing in the whole event. Because when you guys were explaining the strategy, I was looking into the nothingness. And my soul had left my body. <laughs> and I know you guys were like, there's no way what we're saying is registering with this guy. Yeah. And I went to the table, went first, and did exactly <laughs> what we had just talked about. <laughs> I was like, how did I do that? And I still lost. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, what a fantastic event. Um, I'd what... say big shout out to John Lennon. I think it's yeah. someone that I really, really, really respect, like um, watching their content and just his approach to the game and the hobby and the, the community and like having the chance to play him twice uh, and like get closer to him and Bond. What a, what a gent. Yeah. Um, uh, an absolute gem uh, as well. And I really respect the way um, John plays the game as well. Like I remember that, 1 30 in the morning i was like how has john got this much energy right now like the guy is like live commentating everything he's doing like it was so funny for the last 30 minutes i thought justin curtis the head judge i was like justin i'm pretty sure for the last 30 minutes of this game you have been playing john not me because i'm like sitting down and justin is like picking my models and measuring like charge distances and john is like yeah but if i go here and justin is like yeah he could <laughs> like i'm not even playing this game i'm so tired yeah oh dear what a great uh what a great event um yeah i mean i mean so many memories there uh it's so cool to see everyone and Hopefully, I think, Boris, uh, you get selected for Team England uh, and then you can travel to the WTC as well because uh, it is like that. But even it's a a little bit better only because it's a team environment and, uh, you know, all the you you can just wander the tables at the same time and uh, see just the craziest games as well. I mean, you could do that there at at, uh, One World Champs as well. That's one of the coolest parts, too, is that you can go for a wander and you're like, oh, this guy's playing this guy. And you're like, wow, (laughs) sick, right? Yeah, I mean, I will say I have been really, really motivated this year. It's the first time I've applied for, you know, for England, obviously going to the WC. I've been really motivated. I've worked hard at it as part mm-hmm. of it. But coming out of this event, I feel like 10 times more motivated because not only did I play against and meet like a bunch of other WC players, which mm-hmm. kind of is a foreshadowing of what, and you kept telling me this, like, I was like, oh, Lim's awesome, Tom's awesome, this, mm. you know, Arn, you know, Fred, this German play, is like, and you're telling me like, yeah, bro, that's that's what WTC is like, and I felt very, like, inspired yeah. to want to be part of that even more. Up to this point, it was more like taking your, uh, you know, our teammates' word for it, because uh, yeah. all of you guys uh, went were there except Chris and I last year, and you know you're saying this is the greatest event. And it was, you know, I was motivated because of the feedback from the teammates, but I kind of got to get a glimpse of it. Uh, and coming out of it is like, okay, I'm even more motivated. I'm gonna work even harder. You know, you know, Chewy, what I have to do to get on the team, kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and actually, you know, being a part of the story for your nation for WTC is uh, so incredible as well. You know, like one of the happiest moments of uh, jubilation was when, you know, Team New Zealand uh, 
and Vic can probably attest to this was when we won the you know the best newcomer and I'm like on live stream I just fucking leapt off my chair <laughs> like, this fucking car shouting and stuff you know um yeah it's moments like that that are just uh you know some of the coolest moments as well so I hope you get to write your narrative uh, at the WTC as well and I think you if anything it shows that you're more than prepared to play at the caliber level of of WTC and in fact I think if I'm being brutally honest you know some of the lower seed teams those games are going to be you know substantially easier than probably what you played at, at Warhammer World Champs so I'd probably say Warhammer World Champs is um the average is probably higher there but what I would say is the when you get to the very very tightest of tight games you're playing against people that know your list inside out know the mission inside out know how to deploy just deploy everything instantly right so um the absolute niche preparation is a lot more um and at WTC but yeah if you can grind at uh, Warhammer World Champs then I'd say you know you're easily at the caliber for uh, WTC in my opinion hmm. well there we go that's been the uh I guess that's the recap Boris is there anything you want to uh, any shout outs anything you want to uh chat about did we forget any topics I think we we've given shout outs to the organizers and our opponents and I just want to I mean again this is what we started is the best event I've ever been to um we really missed Vic there. Everyone was asking about Vic, and we <laughs> kept telling everyone he'll he'll be back next year. Next and the, you know the best thing, as winning best overall, I already got my golden ticket, Oof. and I don't have to stress about that because honestly, unlike you guys, right, that you go and compete and you regularly win these big events. As you know, I don't really go to singles events anymore. I, I mean, I haven't been to a UKC singles event in like two years. Mm -hmm. So my chance to win a golden ticket was like. Well, can I win best overall the Warhammer Fest again? I mean, probably not. Yeah. Uh, and then is that going to give golden tickets for team events? Otherwise, I'm screwed and I really want to go to this event. And when Mike announced uh, that best overall, and I was like, oh, this makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think you're a caliber of player to win, uh, win, a, win a singles event too, Boris, anyway. But uh, uh, that's beyond me. <laughs> uh, I think you are right, though, in that the competition for golden tickets next year is going to be hotly hotly contested as well so i hope that there are some team events that we can get uh, tickets for i know that a lot of the united states events the big team events had uh had tickets given out for them so that'd be mm. good but what i would encourage you if you are a to uh ask for your event to be covered for golden tickets and stuff like that i think that uh people a lot of tos didn't apply because they didn't think their events were big enough uh and i think don't i don't think that's the case you know games workshop wants to give these tickets out they want the top people to attend um so yeah go and do that and you know big shout out to mike brand uh, again as well i think the event was run perfectly um actually what i didn't know is that mike uh is actually a long time wtc player as well and uh he was actually watching and i'm sure yours as well boris like coming and watching a lot of my games for like five or ten minutes at a time and and I'm, yeah, he was I, moving some of my models even. Yeah. You know, it was that, that's how awesome it was. You I know? was like, like, oh, Mike, you know, just move that there, measure it, whatever. Yeah, it was yeah. great. And I was like, oh, have I done something wrong? Uh, because the judges, at my, you know, Mike, the TO was at my table. He was like, no, no, I'm just watching. I was like, oh, <laughs> that's good. Dave, I'll, I'll give you one, one more, one last snippet, which might be false excitement, but um, did you fill out the feedback survey that uh, Games Workshop sent for the event? I haven't done that yet, no. That's on my okay. to-do list. One of the questions there, okay, and maybe this is reading too much into it, had to do with the seeding of the pods, okay? Mm. And this is what it said, all right? It said, in the absence of a organized, um, standardized international ranking system, mm -hmm. do you think the pods were fairly ranked, mm -hmm. okay? Or appropriately ranked? And that immediately got me thinking, right? 
is this like in the works for G-dubs? Mm. Are they going to do some sort of seeding and ranking next year based on something or the years to come? You know, because that would be, you know, that would be a departure from anything they've done so far. Obviously, we've had the ITC, which we know has had its struggles and troubles. And it's kind of, well, for all intents and purposes, I think as far as many of us are concerned, no one really cares about ITC points anymore. Mm-hmm. Um but if the pods were seeded at some point by some metric, that could be cool. Yeah, that could be really exciting. I think also like the, uh, um, a couple of small things as well, like, you know, putting New Zealand is not strategically advantageous for my run at the tournament, for example, right? Which is, mm. it kind of sucks because I want to play for New Zealand. I want to represent New Zealand. Um, it's my WTC team I play for. But at the same time, like if that was, if they did the pods the same way, I'd probably just put United Kingdom because you know, whatever, for whatever reason, right? Because we just literally just seen our eight best players, right? Um, so, yeah, there's yeah. kind of pros and cons. But yeah. Maybe I'm, I'm reading into it, but it was, I read it as a little bit of a foreshadowing to say like, you know, we did a random this year, guys. What do you think? But maybe if yeah. a universally recognized standardized ranking seating system was in place, you know. I hope they come up with something, man. I'm, uh, I'm all for it. I hope Games Workshop does more events in the UK as well. Uh, I really enjoyed playing their events. I hope that they do a big grand narrative event that's not on the same weekend as a big singles event because uh, I would love to go play it, especially if it was like the one uh, at Atlanta. I thought it was so cool. I would have to open, buy a crusade book. I don't even know how to play it. So um, I would be keen for that personally. Mm. Nice. Vic, do you have any uh, closing thoughts? Let him unmute himself. Nope. Forever hold your peace. <laughs> this has been I think he, has, he, has, he has too much FOMO of not being there to, to say <laughs> I am here my thing just wasn't on. Ah. oh uh, snapshot a little bit of meta takeaway Vic from an outsider's perspective I'll get you involved what uh, apparently we're going to have the balance data slate in January which feels like uh, such a long way away uh, what are you kind of looking for in that like what is the if we thought Aldaru is the best army going into this. Like, what is the reality? You know, how is the Warhammer World Champs kind of shaking up our perception of the meta? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think there were four out of eight uh, uh, CSM in the top eight, maybe. They can probably correct on that. Mm.
Yep. Yeah, I think I think it did. Yeah, and in fact, uh, I think the Aldaris were out the bottom in the top eight as well, actually, which um, is kind of interesting. Uh, yeah. Well, I think Jokul and uh, Quinton were both Aldaris in the top eleven, and then Liam VSL um, with Death Guard as well. There, yeah. So yeah, stack tournament, good fun. I would definitely go again. Ten out of ten. Uh, brilliant. I'm looking forward to it next year, and I'm looking forward to. Uh, Working on some painting areas that I need to improve on as well. Inspired by yours truly, Boris Mitchell. It's been, <laughs> it's been uh, great having you on. Boris and I were actually, Boris and I were leaving the event um, just as I was about to get my flight. And he was like, hey, David, like, you know, you want to decompress a little from Warhammer? It's like, we should play some Lord of the Rings games down at the shop. <laughs> so it's, uh, a, it's a nice little palate cleanser, but already on the on the plane, that's how long it, it took me to think that I'll decompress. I was browsing the Sisters Index and I was texting <laughs> the, the group chat saying, Maybe Sisters is my next hobby project. <laughs> Just goes to show you. Uh, the addiction is strong. <laughs> the addiction is strong. The uh, there we go. All right, episode thirty-nine, the WCW WCW recap with Boris. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on, man. As always, of course, um, a dear friend and a form, uh, current member of Team Ignite, of course, as well. So the team did outstanding this year. You know, we had eight out of eight players. Um, sorry. We had every single player have eight out of eight fantastic games, and that's the type of level of sportsmanship we love to bring. And that's kind of our, one of our core ethoses, I think, as well. And everyone that knows that when we when they come to play against one of our team players, they can have an absolutely fantastic competitive fair game where both players make mistakes, and then um, you know, and then we just chat through when do things do happen, you know, what's the most likely cause and all that stuff. So um, that's how we like to rip it. We ripped it at the World Champs, and uh, there we go. Adieu, farewell, Boris. You can give the closing out. Thank you very much for having me on. This has been the, the best event I've ever attended. I can't believe it's going to be a full year before we go again, but I'm already planning for it, thinking about it, getting excited. So I'll be there. <laughs> there we go. 39, thank you very much. Have a good evening wherever you are. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the 40K Fireside Podcast. Book and I hope you've enjoyed listening and we greatly appreciate any feedback that you can provide after the show. 